Welcome to Talk the Dog, the show where we find a bone to pick and a take to give. These are not hot takes. These is dog takes. Can I talk that dog? shut up and grab some tape i think everything about this player's decision making process has been about football it will remain about football and for that reason we have a little thing around here called the sliding scale majiggy some folks have crystal balls some people have prediction alert machines we got the sliding scale majiggy around here what is that it is a sliding scale majiggy type thing all right that predicts the amount of confidence that I have that a player might be going to a particular school. 90% sliding scale majiggy, that boy a dog. How about that? I love how you said we have the sliding scale majiggy. What's that? It's a sliding scale majiggy. That Yeah. <laughs> it's a majiggy that slides up and down based off how confident I am. And right now that majiggy bought up to about 90% on, on Caleb Downs going to the University of Georgia. Jeff Rittenhouse seven four six four says, "Better shit can your majiggy, go Bucks." <laughs> Ouch! I think your scale is broken. Maybe you should pay a little more attention to teams outside of the SEC. Mm. Are you new at this? Very. That would explain a lot. Mm. The SEC already out here taking losses, and the season ain't even begun yet. Soft conference. Where are my dog fans at? LMAO. F that damn meter. That's all I got for it. That's all I can put on the air. Mm. <laughs> a couple bad weeks for Big Ten takes, huh? God dang. Big Ten waxing my ass. Um, out here, we call that around here being loud wrong. Um, I don't do anything but be loud. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, as y'all can tell, if I say it, I mean it. I'm not, I'm not faking it. I believe it in my heart of hearts. Um, I do not curtail takes. I do not make up takes. I do not fabricate them. So I feel like some people in this job just say stuff because they feel like it's going to get clicks. Emmanuel Acho, when I say shit, I mean it, and I say it like I mean it, and it's going to lead to me being loud wrong when I'm wrong. Um, and that is another case of being loud wrong. Now, let me, let me caveat all of this stuff, okay? Because A, the whole industry was wrong, and I'm going to explain how that happened. But B, I think I was the only one to wake up Friday morning and report to my audience and my, my subscribers, hey, ooh, something's up. Very, very fishy. It was 90% Thursday night. I woke up Friday morning and I bumped that down to 70%. But that, that's, not, that's, not the, that's not the reason we're here to talk to you about it tonight. Um, I'm not here to explain to you I was a little bit more right than everybody else while still being wrong. I deserve all the criticism for being wrong. But I left that 10% on that video that y'all saw. And that's 48 seconds of a seven-minute clip that we talked about that topic. And most of that is me basically caveating everything I'm saying about him being a Georgia Bulldog with the idea that, hey, NIL and every man has his price could very much so still come into play here. So everybody's wondering, and particularly I saw a bunch of stuff on social media. This is why I don't pay for shit. This is why recruiting analysts are idiots. This is why inside information is all bullshit. All of them are wrong, yada, yada, yada. How could everybody be so wrong? Here's what I know. I know that sometime Wednesday, there was a phone call that was te that took place between Caleb Downs and Caleb Downs' people and Georgia and Georgia's people and Kirby Smart. That conversation 
led Georgia to believe that, hey, we just got to wait for this 48-hour time window to get up, and that dude's coming here. That dude's going to be a Georgia Bulldog, all right? And that's why you saw everybody in this space come out here going, hey, it's Georgia. Georgia's the team to beat. Georgia's the team to beat. Georgia's the team to beat. And then there's this 48-hour window where there's a lot of room for stuff to go down, and that's exactly what happened, um, in my opinion, right? There was, um, I do believe the reporting, and I will, I, I will stand on our reporting over at Patreon, that I do believe there was a, a, a million-dollar demand, right? A two-over-two demand, and that wasn't the end of it. I don't want to go into full details. I, I have, to an extent, over on patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin, but I think there were, there were more demands on this, so much so that I've told the boys, and I'm going to tell you guys right here because this is the little, the little nugget for listening to this show. I would put a hefty penny on Caleb Downs to win the Heisman. At some point during his Ohio State career, I think it's going to happen. Um, and I probably just chucked your odds over there, and that's, that's my bad. But if you can find a bookie that will give you juice on that one, take it because I think they're going to do a lot of stuff with Caleb Downs up there at Ohio State, Ohio State. A lot of stuff that maybe Georgia wasn't willing to do, let alone do the payment stuff. Georgia, Georgia's not out here paying a singular player a million dollars. I, I poo-pooed the, the articles and the, the reporting on the Carson Beck stuff. I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was even funnier for him to be asked about those reports with the people that reported them in front of them, only for him to laugh about said reports. But these reports, I believe, I do believe these were the demands made. And these were the demands met. So why, why even do the Georgia thing? Well, I think Georgia was an option at one point, particularly with the hiring of Travaris Robinson, right? I think Georgia had a lot of momentum in this recruitment. And then again, every man has his price, right? Every man has his, um, you know, final yes price and final yes checkpoint. And I think that was ultimately met. met. But I also think that there's no better leverage play in the world of transferring than saying that you might go to Georgia. You say you might go to Georgia and you scare other people shitless in these recruitments, right? I'm going to go to Georgia. Well, I know the only way for me to get that out of you going to Georgia is to outpay you because I can't out-recruit you, right? There, there is no – we said this on Thursday. There was no better football match and football fit for him than to go to the University of Georgia and play in a very identical system with even better players around him or similarly as great players around him as he was at Alabama. That from a football schematical standpoint, a football fit standpoint, it wasn't even close. It was whether or not Ohio State can get in with the NIL stuff, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, and I think another part of it is that we're not – I don't know if how true this is, and it's just my speculation, but – Part of me thinks that the Downs camp still has some animosity towards the Georgia program and didn't necessarily 1,000% want to go there. So when whatever day it was comes around and Ohio State comes with this big offer and kind of gives you a way out to say, hey, we'll meet all your demands. And, oh, by the way, you don't have to go to Georgia. I think that probably went a lot into the decision. I don't know, but I, I think that's I don't mind reporting this and saying this on air right now, but I, I spoke to Gary Monday about this. I asked him straight up, what happened with Josh? And what, like, is, is it, is there any harbored feelings there? And when I spoke to Gary about it, it was very matter of fact, this is what happened. This is the way we went to go about it. We made the right decision. They probably missed. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was very matter of fact, because he's a football coach. He understands how these things work. He understood that this was a local in-state kid that they felt like they could come in late on and, and offer a scholarship and his eyes and heart would be exploding and he would commit on the spot. Well, that wasn't the case because they knew that this kid needed 90% of the, the reps at a singular spot, and he was a dude. And that's exactly what he went on to be at North Carolina. So they were right. Georgia was wrong in that situation. Now, I don't know how mom feels 
I have no idea how mom feels, but I know how dad feels. And dad was very matter of fact. It would, there was very little emotion in that discussion. It was very bing, bang, bong. This is how it went. We said, no, we all parties moved on. We started over with Caleb. It's kind of how it sounded. But again, I, the, that stuff, the, they're still harboring bad feelings. That stuff from my understanding is, is more of rumor and, and conjecture about how mom feels about the situation more so than the reality of the situation. To gotcha. me, it just continues to show how crazy and how hard it is to track recruitment yeah. and all together now. I mean, think back to the Travis Hunter recruitment. That was bouncing all over the place down to the wire. And then, I mean, even the K.J. Bolden recruitment throughout the last year, it would seem like maybe Auburn was going to be the team to swoop in late. And then it was, oh, FSU is going to lock him down. He's still going to go to be a Seminole. And then it was Georgia. That seemed like at the last minute came in and got him. And you, you, there's several more examples. There's tons of examples of that stuff happening. And this is just another example of it. Like, you can never feel so sure in recruitment anymore because things can change so quickly to the point where it's like, well, he's a, he's a dog. And then it's like 10 minutes later, like, what the heck just happened? Like, how did this end up? You know, I, I was told most other forums and most other places in this beat kind of burned down on Friday afternoon. And I felt like our Discord was relatively mellow. Um, to an extent. I mean, we set a new record for the month for messages sent. But nonetheless, it was a relatively calm day in the aftermath because I think because of the way that we reported it, which was, the I, I think, the most accurate, which was it was Georgia. But, hey, there's always caveats. And that's what I, it was in the last note, right? The last Patreon post I posted was, hey, I'm bumping it down from 90% to 70% on the Majiggy because something's fishy. Mm -hmm. Something's very fishy, and I think money's now becoming a major factor in this recruitment. And then by the end of the day, Ohio State, and then we find out, ooh, maybe a Maybach. Ooh, I've heard it as high as 1.7. People in the chat tonight saying 1.3. I was told two over two, which is a million a year, which is a lot of money. It's a lot of money, but I would also say if there's ever a position player in college football to give it to, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good investment. I think, yeah, I think he's worth every dollar. Very um, good investment. Unless it costs you two more players because they want pay raises. It's the cheapest anybody's ever going to get, Caleb Downs. That's a fact. Yeah. That's a fact. So really you can I mean, say there's they're getting a steal on Caleb yeah. Downs. Right yeah, and now. I mean the other argument for this was that, you know, basically he needs to go to Georgia because if he doesn't go there, it's going to affect his draft stock. Let's be honest. The kid's a top 30 pick wherever he plays. I joked with an NFL scout and said he could play his next two years at Bishop Sycamore and y'all draft him in the first round. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like he's, he said, that, yeah. he's that prospect. He's yeah. that talented. It's yeah, the same is. reason why Travis Hunter can go play for Colorado, win four games, two seasons back-to-back, -back, and still be a first-round draft pick. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, all right, welcome into our local hour. We're going to talk about how some former UGA coaches are absolutely balling in the NFL. Uh, Tay Harris decommitted. We'll tell you a little bit about that. Uh, should Georgia now be looking for another roster spot? They still have some room left available, you would imagine, after quote-unquote whiffing on Caleb Downs. Does Alabama strike back? All right, I'm going to talk about this. I think there's an opportunity that Alabama's hunting some other rosters come April. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. UGA, can you learn anything from Saban's departure? I think there's a really, really big lesson to be learned there. And we're going to give them three. Three reasons why Georgia will win a title in 2024. But first, I want to give a quick shout-out to our friends over at Prize Picks. Got a lot of people watching right now. First and, for, first and foremost, thank you. Secondly, let's ask you to support those who support us by running over to prizepicks.com. Using promo code Brooks today, you get a 100% deposit match. What does that mean? You put up to $100, they'll instantly match you $100 right there on the spot using only promo code Brooks. Um... Before we get in too far, I want to uh, pencil something in for you guys listening today. 
February 25th, we've already teased it for you. Um, me, Aaron Murray, throwing competition, okay? Um, and here's why I want to do this. We've been making jokes about this, and I've kind of explained it to you guys, but there, there's a real uh, like experiment going down here. I'm not just trying to prove uh, a point, or I'm not trying to embarrass myself or embarrass Aaron. Here's what I'm out to set out. All right, I go to all these camps all year long. Um, I go to all these workouts all year long. I go watch football on Friday nights all year long, um, or at least in the fall. I watch NFL executives miss on the quarterback position all the time. They're at a 50% hit rate, even at the highest levels. Um, I watch people make decisions off of quarterbacks based off what they do in shorts and a t-shirt. And I believe, after doing this all this time, that throwing the ball and being a good thrower of the football, it's like 5% of the position, maybe. Like, you don't have to have one of these ungodly arms. You just have to be able to make every throw on the field, okay? But it's a processing position. It is not about who can throw it the best or who can look the best while throwing it or who throws the best ball or who can throw it the furthest or whatever. It's all about processing. It's about whether or not you put it in the guy's hands at the right spot or whether or not you make the decision to throw it to the right guy or whether or not you check out of the right run play, right? Those things are what makes a great quarterback. And the only way I knew to kind of try to prove this is I do thoroughly believe I'm one of these good throwers of the football. You guys have seen it. I've, I've trained in front of, I've thrown in front of actual trainers that know like, hey, guy's got a live arm, but that ain't shit. That is not playing the quarterback position. So here's how we're going to try to prove this. I'm going to go out on a, college, on, a, on a high school football field in Athens, probably Prince Avenue, on February 25th. We're going to set up a 15 to 20 throw pro day script. All right. Hey, three-step slant. Hey, five-step drop, throw the dig, second window. We're going to do the, hey, throw the post, throw the bang. Hey, we're going to do a 15 to 20 throw script. Me, him. Then we're going to have an accuracy competition. Then we're going to have a deep ball competition. Now, here's what we have not decided. is how we're going to go about playing seven on seven. Because if my theory were to be correct, I'm going to look like in these throwing competitions, like I can at least hold water. Like it's not going to look drastic. But when we go play seven on seven, he's going to beat me by 100. He better. I'm going to throw copious amounts of interceptions. I'm going to throw, it's going to look like shit. I promise you. I would imagine. I'm not going to throw it. I'm going to try my hardest to beat him. But that's how football is actually played, in my, in my opinion, at this position. How well you can throw the ball is ancillary. It, it's, it's a box you have to check. It's a prerequisite. It is not the determining factor on whether or not you're going to be great. All right? And that's the theory I'm out to set to prove. All right? Um, and I think we're going to get a good opportunity at doing it. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. That's not perfect. crazy, right? No, I, no, I got dibs on Murray's team, though. Yeah, we got to figure that out. I don't know how we're going to do the seven-on-seven seven thing. I think what I mentioned to him, and I think this is the best opportunity, you open it up to ticket sales because who wouldn't want to do this, right? You open it up to ticket sales, you make them like $2 a piece, whatever. We're not out here to make money. We're out here to get quality uh, applicants. But you, you put 20 on each team, right? Six offensive players, six – not 20. Six offensive players, six defensive players is 12, all right? Plus you is, is 13. All right, so 12 on your team, 12 on his team. Both quarterbacks have to play defense at the same, you know, as well, right? So oh. I, I play quarterback, and then I go play Mike Linebacker. Oh, All right? God. He plays quarterback, and then he has to go play another position. Um, and then the other six, you know, other 12 players are, are people that we select after having bought tickets. So that kind of thing. That's what I'm thinking. I but like he it. and I have not – he and I have solidified the first part. 
which is the throwing competitions, right? We're going to do a deep ball. We're going to do an accuracy. We're going to do the pro day script. What we haven't figured out is seven on seven. Because we could obviously do, hey, go get actual football players. Mm-hmm. Or I think it would be way funnier to just open it up. Do you know how, how badly I want to watch Aaron Murray pelt a kid in the face on My the thoughts slant? exactly. My brother just was like. Right through the hands, breaks his nose. My brother was like, dude, it'd be cool to throw a swing route to Nosha Marino. I'm like, yeah, that would be cool. It would be way better for content to throw a dig right off the nose of some, you know, body. For content purposes, not for my own enjoyment. <laughs> no, I, I got to be honest, guys. It would be for my enjoyment. I would like to see that. <laughs> oh, gosh. But anyways, um, that, that's the plan. Again, February 25th, somewhere in the Northeast Georgia area, probably going to be Prince Avenue. Dude, Buford. let's go. Short Buford drive. Said no. mm. Buford said no. Buford said no. Buford curse. Buford curse. Buford curse. Buford curse. It's not Buford done curse. yet. Um. Bottom line, it's a process, processing position, and I hope um, I hope to prove that. So there you go. Um, bro, some of these former UGA alumnus and former UGA coaches are roughshod, roughshod over the NFL right now. Todd mm-hmm. Munkin's balling. Yep. Mike McDonald, former UGA grad, balling. Mm-hmm. Um, also former D.C. at Michigan and former D.C. at Duke, I want to say, um, over the last couple of years. Uh, maybe Vanderbilt. I think he went to Vanderbilt and then went back to the NFL. Nonetheless, Mike McDonald uh, out here balling out in the NFL, probably going to get some type of NFL head coaching interviews very soon. Um, and then, of course, Thomas Brown. Thomas Brown getting NFL head coaching jobs. Guys, do you think this NFL kind of tree continues to to grow now that Kirby's kind of settled in? Um, I don't know if the NFL tree is going to grow as much as the Head coaching tree in college football. I mean, Thomas Brown was not a he was, but he's he's more of a, an old school, older guy from that. Like Todd Munkin, I think is like your quintessential like poster child for UGA grad having success in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going to see a lot more head coaching, like your Dan Landings and before the scandal, like Mel Tucker, like guys like that. They're going to go get head coaching jobs and, and be really successful in college football. Ohio State fans and Georgia fans are absolutely banging it out in Dude, the I chat know, right I, now. I love I'm it. loving it. It's you know, brutal. We've got a good like basis of different fan bases over the past couple months. Like we got some Alabama fans trickling in. We had the Michigan fans come in. Now we got Ohio State fans. We're just, just we're just making subscribe. our rounds. Just subscribe. Yeah. I mean, you might think we're biased Georgia homers, but those two might be, but I'm not. You know, hey. I'll, I'll tell it like it is. I enjoy all fan bases. Dude, I, I love. I'm, I'm all for the trolling. Ele, baby. Everybody love everybody. Absolutely. Uh, or everybody hating. As far as Georgia staff goes, it's. I don't really see anybody on the staff right now that I feel like is leaning towards that NFL yeah. trajectory. They all kind of feel like college dudes, and I think that has effect of who your head coach is. Like Kirby Smart, all college. You know, when all these rumors, mm. I don't even know if you could classify it as a rumor because it's foolish to even think about. Like Kirby Smart going to the Falcons, nobody can make that connection. Nobody sees that in Kirby Smart's cards or anything like that. And Kirby Smart is all about college football he loves college football and i think that's kind of the type of people that he's built his staff around for the most part Mm. gotta love football i love football gotta love football the best so those were his two requirements right do you love football and are you selfless yep those are the only two ways to to get on the staff at uga those are the two prerequisites that's those are that's the that's the uh, application yeah do Do you you love love football football? i'm just gonna put that on my resume and send it in i thought about it um i love football and i'm selfless I do love football. I don't think I'm selfless. How how many resumes do you think come across his desk a year? His desk, none. Yeah, zero. He's got some. Or else. just zero. The, the the. How many guys are calling for jobs? Yeah. I would imagine a lot, but it's it's all who you know. I mean, it's all who you know, mm-hmm. especially at that level. Most of his support staff guys, um, 
you know, like Van Gorder, right? He's going to be a great football coach, but Brian Van Gorder has a long history as a head football coach. Probably, I would imagine, had something to do with that hiring of Gummy at Georgia. Um, there was a must champ on the analyst staff for a little while. Um, there's been some analysts added to the staff over years that may or may not had ties to players, right? Like there, there are obvious analyst staffs everywhere are relationships. They're all, they all are. Mm -hmm. They're great football coaches. I would imagine they're, they're great football minds, I should say. But most of those people's people on those staffs know somebody, their uncle was somebody, their dad was somebody Their you know, their brother played somewhere. They played somewhere. They, they know someone. Um, the position coaches at Georgia are the ones where he normally goes, you know, either find somebody I know that I've coached with in years past or go completely outside the tree, right? Uzo Daribe, outside the tree. Fran Brown, had no pre-existing relationship. Uh, Dante Williams, no pre-existing relationship, right? Uh, most of his position hires are that. But some of them, Brian McClendon, Georgia guy, right? Like, been around forever. Stacy um, Searles. Stacy Searles, Georgia guy. Todd Hartley, Georgia guy, right? Um, but some of them are completely outside of the mm -hmm. tree and outside of the, the, the pre-existing relationships. But most, the overwhelming majority of his analyst staff, most of those guys know somebody. Mm -hmm. So, um, Tay Harris decommitted this past weekend and then imme immediately got a visit from Kirby Smiley. Decommitted yesterday? Today, I thought. Was it today? No, no it, was it was yesterday. yesterday. It was yesterday. It was yesterday. yesterday. Decommitted yesterday and uh, got a visit from the Kirby Copter today out there at Cedartown. And I saw a quote. I don't know where it was. I'm sorry, whoever got the quote from him. But I think his quote was basically he decommitted because um, he wasn't feeling the love recently from Georgia. My sources indicated to me that this was not a Georgia pushing him out thing. This was a he wants to kind of explore other options. He wants to see what's available for him um, out there. So when you hear those things, this wasn't – I don't think this was something that Georgia wanted to have happen, as you can tell by Kirby going to see him today. I thought it was funny that he decommitted then today. He posts a picture of him and Kirby, and he calls he puts the goat emoji. I just thought I was like, oh, that's a little interesting. I mean, I guess I guess they're still on good terms. But I mean, I also can understand it because it's very early still in this twenty twenty five recruitment process. Like we, I, sh I say very early, but I mean, heck, it's like ten months essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but I understand if you want to. He's been committed to Georgia. If you want to start feeling around a little bit and see what's out there, completely understand that. Um. The sophomore tape is phenomenal. I haven't looked at this junior tape. We watched it the last or during the summer, wasn't it? When did we watch Tay Harris tape? Did we watch it in the summer? Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Sophomore tape is like four or five star level. Like it is. Holy shit! Look at this guy. Look at all the plays he's making. Um, I think the problem with Tay is he's not huge, right? And he, and he listed at about five eleven, one hundred and eighty pounds, something along, along those lines. Yeah. Not a huge, long, lengthy corner, which is typically as of late has been Georgia's M.O. They don't have a single guy in that room under six foot. Not one. I think A.J. Harris was the only one. He's gone. All right, everybody else, big, long, lanky. All right, so let's take a look at Tay Harris. I'm going to eyeball scout this and say that's him right there before we get any circles. Let's see. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Bang! Hey, man, they, they ain't hard to notice. All right, let's see. Oh, pick. Body caught it. That's okay. Are you about to crib? You about to crib? Here's the other thing you know about Cedartown Whoa. kids. Yeah. Yeah, they out the they out there block blocking. Is that Here's, a uh, what's up? Did you see the hurdle? Uh, no, I didn't. Who well, hurdled? Hurdle. He hurdled. Oh wow, he did hurdle. I was looking at the blocks in front of him. I was actually looking for the edge rusher they just offered. They offered a kid out of Cedar Grove. 
Um, this is a, a scrimmage, as you can see, with the quarterback. This is Cass High School. That's Brody McWhorter. That's uh, Zacoby White's football team. Brody just getting pancaked. He's in a non-contact, man. You're not yeah. allowed to hit him. Come on, um, But anyways, there you see his, his athleticism and athletic ability. Obviously playing safety here this year for Cedartown. Um, I bet he's fitting a strike. No, he's fitting a scooping score. Body movements on this kid, the body patterns are really, really fluid. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say. never in a bad spot, not tight hipped at all. Um, he's a tremendous athlete. This is the other thing you, you know about Cedartown, okay? If I recruit a kid out of Cedartown, that son of a bitch lifts, okay? Look at, oh, the, no. look at the lower half on this kid. He finna strike. That is a big kid, man. That is a really, really big kid. I love the end zone shot because we can see his frame. I mean, he's well, well, well put together, okay? Not to do the thing, but I'm going to do the thing, all right? Look how wide his quads are, man. I was about to say, his legs are thick. There's some thick-ass quads, okay, and some hamstrings on this joker. All right, he's really, really well put together. Full stop. Hey, yo, pause. I wasn't um, even going to do it. You weren't going to do it? Uh, it was just too obvious. Are we coming downhill? Come on, strike. Show me something. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Oh, oh. This bro, I saw the same shit on the last year's tape. Last year's tape, I'm like, why are you a three star? This is goofy. Oh, you fit the oh, ball out, no. ball out, ball's coming out. I promise you, ball's out. Told you. Just could smell it, couldn't you? Mm -hmm. That ball's coming out. Here's All right, now we're gonna turn our head around. Oh my God, fight through the ball and through the hands. What's he? Will you give me a ranking on this? Somebody, yeah. He, he's yeah. Tell me what he's ranked. This is goofy. This is this is a top two fifty player, I think. This is an SEC starter. He's gonna pick that. Oh no, he broke it up. What his do you got for him? His composite ranking is two twenty one nationally, and okay. he's the twenty seventh best defensive back in the class. Okay. So you know they're gonna come up on him wherever he goes. Yeah, he's a four star right now. Composite. Right. When he when he was committed, he was a three star. Yeah, he two four seven still has him as a three star. Here's the goofy thing about these rankings: now that he's decommitted, and now that he's a storyline, he might get a bump. Probably. People are going to be talking about him more. It's good coverage right here. Let's see. Hand on the hip until the ball comes through and then he takes it off and fights through the hands. Mm. Does a really good job of playing the hands. All right. Another oh dear. Yeah, another he fit body. in a stick. He fit in a stick. Boom. Ooh. Is that Zacoby? Yeah, that was Zacoby that he tackled right there. Or actually, that was uh, Henderson that he tackled right there. I kind of like the transition to safety because he does—he really does have power in his pads. Mm -hmm. um, as a as a hundred ninety, you know, he looks like he's about two hundred pounds now. Is this him playing offense? He's a really good mover, dude. Tracks it well right there too. I love the tape. I'm not even gonna lie to you. It's two years in a row. I've really, really loved the tape. Um, every time I see a tape like that, you know what I want to say though, right? What? Let him play star. So I was about to ask, is he a Let star guy for you? star. Every time I see that, I'm like, God, don't you dare make that kid cover for four quarters. Let that dude use his face mask. Um, but I always get told no. <laughs> <laughs> I always get told no. He's playing corner. Um, it's a really tough position to learn and a really tough position to play. I think that's why they're kind of not necessarily scared to do it to young players. But unless they really, really fit a mold – they're kind of scared to let him play that position. Well, the thing I've noticed also is that the star position now, at least the last few years, isn't something that you put the best athlete at per se. It's more mm -hmm. the guy who knows how to play the best. Like Tyke Smith, great athlete, but 
much smarter than than you the average think. bear. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's smarter than an average football player, and that's why he was at that position. Wicked and, smart. Yeah. So, and I mean, before that, like you had Javon Bullard, who obviously does all the things right before that, and the, and then even like in twenty twenty one, you had like Latavius bringing a bunch of veteran guys, William Poole, yeah. that weren't necessarily like world beater athletes, but had been on the uh, been on the team a long time and been in the scheme a while. Yeah, and like I said, he said he wanted to. Uh, they wanted to continue to explore options and all that good stuff, um, and I would imagine he will. But I would imagine, as we saw today, Georgia's still going to be very, very heavily in play mm-hmm. in this recruitment, and you can see why. I wouldn't let in-state defensive backs like that leave this state. No. There's no way. He's way too good. Now, here's the other weird thing. Kid, kid decommitted, going to be on Georgia Tech's campus like that. Um, I don't think we ever thought we'd be at that day. Mm-hmm. where Georgia Tech was going to be out here flirting with, with Georgia commits. The weirdest one to me was as soon as he decommitted it, um, he also announced that Clemson offered him. Mm. Mm. Clemson always notoriously late offering. Yeah, I was like, really? We waited that long on it? Hmm. Interesting. Good player, though. I think he ends up at a really good school, and uh, he's going he's gonna to be a good player in college as well. Now, Georgia was in on Caleb Downs. Right, we've already heard them be open about adding another quarterback. Right, adding a fourth quarterback into the room. So whether it's one, whether it's two, whether however much is, they obviously have room for an additional uh, add, an additional add, an additional addition. They obviously have room for another addition on this roster, at least one spot, guys. Um, and we have a potential candidate for that spot. Yeah, I think he's already been. Um He's been crystal balled and, and everything. Balled. Um, the Ben Urasek, I think, is it how you would pronounce that? You um, gave it a run. I didn't. I went <laughs> ahead and did it for you. But we'll, we'll put a little picture of our boy up here on that the screen ben. for everybody to enjoy. Right? That boy Ben. Boom. Dude, I mean, yeah. absolute unit. That's a <laughs> Looks like a football player. That's a football player. Yeah. That's a football player? Oh, if oh, I absolutely. told you that he was all academic in the Pac-12 this last year at God, Stanford, so. would you believe it? Yeah. Yeah, I would too. Um, so, yeah, there's a little shot at him. So, does he uh, does he wear the focals during the game? No, I he, hope that's so. the only picture I can find of him with glasses. That's got to be on. a troll, then, right? Yeah, like, that, like Stetson's mustache. Well, as soon as <laughs> as soon as I saw the picture, I was like, this "Does seems, he have tape on the middle of those that's freaking?" What, things? That's why I was like, "Dude, this looks like it has that's to be a troll be or a something." Joke, man. Like buddies, like his buddies were like, "Oh, you're the nerd on the football team." Is like, "Oh, I'll just lean into it." You I know? think Buddy's got a sense of humor. Yeah. Hey. Right, you gotta have a sense of humor on the team. There's no better picture than Stetson's uh, Uncle Rico, is there? Isn't oh, that what he was man. trying to? Or was that JT Daniels? JT, JT Daniels, Daniels did JT. that. Wasn't he trying to do Uncle Rico? Yeah, probably. Stetson had a stash too, but I don't think he ironically had it. Some of Stetson's pictures were a little like whoa, with the curly hair yeah. back yeah. in the day. That picture of Stetson and Kirby Smart inside the stadium when Stetson was a recruit oh, is God. hysterical. <laughs> yeah, he's got the curly hair and the glasses. On. He doesn't even look like it. It looks yeah. like some kid on campus was like. Coach Smart, can yeah. I get a picture with you? Can, yeah. Is it cool? And they it just looks like it. an astrology major was out watching stars <laughs> and Kirby walked by. And he was Turf like, manager was hey, out man. there. Hey, man. Coach Smart. Well, did you know that would be the best quarterback in Georgia football history? Hey, but he's not as good as Justin Fields, so said the Ohio mm. State fan in the chat tonight. Got to live with it. I, I, I think before we go on, what were you about to say? I was just going to give a stat rundown and everything. Oh, let's do it. Well, what were you going to say? I was going to get into the Brock Purdy, what that's doing to the thing, because I think Stetson fits into this conversation while we're here. Um, Brock Purdy's got people losing their ever-loving minds, and this is a classic, classic, uh, oldest-time sports topic, all right? 
And what people are falling into on the Brock Purdy discussion is winner versus talented, okay? And winning does a lot of things to make people think you are better than you are. And sometimes you don't get credit when you win or what all that stuff, but winning, all right, does a lot of people making, or people thinking you're great. Um, being talented allows you to not win as much as other people because you're uber talented. All right, and these discussions have been had over sports for years. Like, who's better, Bill Russell or Wilt Chamberlain? Well, Wilt Chamberlain was great. He was immensely talented, but Bill Russell did all the winning. Was that a team thing or is that a Bill thing? Well, I don't know. That's the debate, right? We have these discussions all over sports, right? I think you can do this in the Georgia space. We talked about it before the show. Matthew Stafford is the most talented player to ever play the quarterback position at Georgia. But Stetson Bennett is the greatest winner at the history of the position at the University of Georgia. So who's the better quarterback? Well, some people will tell you Stetson. Some people will tell you Matthew. Which do you prefer? Do you prefer the uber-talented or do you prefer the person who has won? Rarely, rarely do we get a combination of both. Michael Jordan, probably the only combination of both, right? Tom Brady is not this. Tom Brady is the greatest winner in the history of football. Aaron Rodgers, far more talented than that individual. Pat Mahomes, going to have all of the records. He might be the answer at this at the end of it. Immensely talented, going to be a winner for a long time. But these discussions of oh, that guy's talented versus that guy's on a winning football team, man, it bamboozles a lot of people that make opinions. And what I'm kind of basing on is I'm allowed to separate the two. I'm allowed to say that Brock Purdy is talented, but he is not Josh Allen talented. And I'm also allowed to say and look at football and say, damn, Brock Purdy's got a lot of things working in his favor. And he does a great job of executing the offense, playing within the system, doing everything right to play winning football. While also looking at that and saying Josh Allen is the better quarterback, Brock Purdy wins more football games. We can do those things, and we can separate the two. You don't have to make it the hottest take in the world every time you do it. That's the problem. The good guy just wants to – you know who did this the best? Cam Newton did this the best. Cam Newton and the, the term game manager gets used for quarterbacks who don't uh, possess this 1% talent, right? We're going to face off with them. I don't think Aaron Murray possessed 1% talents. I think Aaron Murray is the best processor to ever play the position at Georgia, and that's why he's got all the records, period, point blank. Um, so I, I think the, the, the discussion of can you separate the talent from the winning oftentimes, oftentimes gets people confused. And I think, too, when people use it, when people use the term game manager, I think people take it as a slight. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's wrong. I don't think that when – if you say a quarterback is a game manager, I don't think that people should take that as an insult. At least I wouldn't use it in the way that – in the form of an insult. I don't think that's people saying that he's a bad quarterback, that he can't play the position or anything like that. Yeah. I think more so than anything, it just says, like, his ceiling is a little more limited than most mm. people, than maybe the top five quarterbacks in the league, but he's still a really, really good option because he's going to put you in the right spot more times than not. Well, I think the term game manager also has become derogatory because it's basically like, just don't mess up, don't lose us this game, just kind of get us there and the team yeah. around us will win. That's where I think game managers come from. And I think that's kind of where the whole winner mantra has come from. Whereas like, if you take a super talented guy and put him on a team of the caliber of maybe a San Francisco's, are they winning at the same rate? Maybe, who knows? So I think that's kind of the argument there. It, it's, it's, in my opinion, the dumb argument. It's just to stir people up. But I'm always going to take the talent. Yeah. That's me. But when it gets outside of the norm, like I think Tom Brady obviously had some type of unique winner traits about him, obviously. I think that's very, very clear. Um, I think he's greater and better 
than Aaron Rodgers. I think he did more and, and just had a better successful career. Whereas in the basketball world, I would say, give me LeBron. Like, I think he's the better football, basketball player all around than Michael. Michael has the six, and that's fine, but give me LeBron. If I'm drafting them both, give me LeBron. But if I'm drafting a football team tomorrow, I'm probably taking Tom Brady. Probably. But I'd have a hard hard bargain not to do Pat Mahomes. <laughs> yeah. Right? I would have a very hard hard time not doing that. Mm-hmm. But this this talent versus winning thing gets gets all all discombobulated. Even in the college ranks. Mm-hmm. I think like USC, we talked about it before the show. USC has one of these. Who's the greatest quarterback in USC history? Matt is Leiner. It, it, it is Matt Leiner, right? You would say that. But Caleb Williams is the best to ever play there. Absolutely. He's the most talented. He's got a Heisman just like the other guy. Um, but the other guy has a title. So, right, is Stetson Bennett or Matthew Stafford? Um, what other examples did we end up getting in that chat today? Did we get into too, too many? You said A-Rod Jeter. Yeah, A-Rod and Jeter. Like, A-Rod's far, far more talented. Jeter was the captain. Jeter, Jeter did all the winning, right? Jeter was so great and was such a leader that he pushed A-Rod over to third, and for every single time, like the first three years of them being together, every single time A-Rod went out to third base, everybody would make the argument that the best shortstop is playing third base on that football team, or that baseball team. I can't be doing cross sports. I do this. Um... But anyways, I think it's very, very easy to fall into this talent versus winning discussion, and very rarely do the two meet. Absolutely. Very That's why rarely. sports arguments go on for generations and generations. will continue to go on for generations. Absolutely. Um, do you think UGA – or excuse me, do you think Bama strikes back here? Look, Bama's at least got 10 spots. At least, we believe. They've got 26 guys in the portal, okay, but they've added several – and we're just taking the 10 since Saban left is what I'm accounting here. Those 10 players, if they have all those exorbitant spots, if they have all, all the room left on the 85, you would presume that come April when the next portal window opens up and they're one of the only teams in the country that not only have room on their roster, but oh, by the way, I bet they're stacking the shit out of some bread right now. Mm-hmm. I bet they look like they're storing for the winner. Okay, when it comes to funds, they're probably trying to uh, cancel some buildings around the, the campus to make sure they got enough to pay <laughs> for whatever they need to pay. Okay, um, got got boosters out here applying for loans, I would imagine. But anyways, you would think that Alabama is going to pillage some villages come April, right? Yeah, I mean, having the advantage of you have the availability that a lot of other teams are not going to have at that point in the season is absolutely an advantage for you. My only question is, I don't know, like the player talent pool post-December, probably quite a bit stronger than it is going to be post-April. Because I feel like in April, it's going to be a lot of people that's like, all right, I fought for my job. I was going to see how the depth chart shook out. Turns out I'm fourth on the depth chart. I'm going to hit the portal, go try to find some opportunity. But the good news is you're probably going to have a lot of opportunity to play for at Alabama. Mm. Not to mention that, like, this is going to be Kalen DeBoer's first chance to kind of display his capability of recruiting and, and on the transfer portal scene. He's done it. He did it well at Washington. I mean, you had a Heisman finalist quarterback at the spot and all, all the other pieces that made that team so successful. But can you do that in the South is going to be the question. I think it's going to be very interesting to see. It's a great point. I, and I mentioned that in my notes. This is this was one of the other problems about not hiring locally. Mm-hmm. Like now you're going to have to go try to pillage rosters in the Southeast Unless you just want to become UW of the East, of the Southeast, which kind of, not kind of, they are doing that. Like, they hired the coach, and then the coach brought three players over already. He brought the center, or the center 
a receiver and a defensive player, I believe, already. Or the, the backup quarterback. Brought the quarterback, receiver, and a, a center from this roster already from Washington. And if that's what it ends up being in April, then I, I can't sit here and say you got better, right? You, no. If you're recruiting Pac-12 football players or West Coast football players that he already has pre-existing relationships with, right? Because that's what I, I personally think that's what's going to have to happen. If Alabama is going to go about this aggressively, they're going to have to tamper, right? They're going to have to tamper. They're not just going to be able to pick what's available in April because guess what? Like you mentioned, the, the, meat of the, the, the meat of the players aren't going in April. They're going in December. The best players hitting the portal are already in and out, okay? So what's left in April is not going to be good enough. You're going to have to call and convince somebody to get into the portal in April, I would imagine, which, again, going to have to get into some tampering, which – is non-existent. The rule is bullshit. It's allowed. Anyways, yeah, it's allowed. If you're not tampering, you're a loser. You're probably losing. Probably. You're not tampering. You're probably you're losing, losing players. Tax. That's for damn sure. You're damn sure losing players. Um, but I, I do. I do think Bama strikes back. The problem is going to be, like I said, if, if you're stacking this roster with players that could play for you at Washington, you're doing it wrong. You're, you're, you're not going to survive, I don't believe, no, I down mean, here. I mean – as, as good of a coaching job as he did at Washington and as good as that team was last year, they were 65th in recruiting ratings. I don't think they ever had a class that cracked the top 50. Like, the talent pool of player there. Now, obviously, what you were able to do with it, you went to the national championship, that's awesome. But to consistently play in the SEC with that talent, I don't think it's going to work out. And by the way, they, did, they overcame all those talent deficiencies because they had, oh, I don't know, a sixth-year quarterback and three NFL receivers. And that is not currently on the roster at Alabama. So... Those are some serious overcoming things. Now, granted, he's got majority of the guts of that roster that was still the most talented in college football. So, talent is still an upgrade. Like mm -hmm. He's still going into a better situation. Um, but you would argue that it, it's a tough – I wouldn't just argue. I would say it's a tougher slate. I know the Pac-12 is tough this year. I do. But year in, year out, like th this SEC slate is going to be brutal um, to be doing it with lesser than players or what we presume to be lesser than players. Um all right, so Alabama has obviously seen some major fallout, right? Yep. Yeah. And I think if you're a Georgia fan listening to this tonight, first of all, hit that thumbs up button, and second of all, make sure you're subscribing. Um, but if you're a Georgia fan listening to this tonight, your your primary question, in my opinion, should be, what can Georgia learn from this kind of uh, debacle, if you will, this fallout is the right term, this fallout from this Alabama retirement of Nick Saban? I think first and foremost – Succession plans are cool. Succession plans are great. I think they had plans to maybe go after Kalen DeBoer. But succession plans are, are, are kind of null and void unless the succession plan is in-house. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing I've learned. <clears throat> if and when Georgia has to replace Kirby Smart or when Georgia has to replace Kirby Smart, they better have that joker on staff right now. Because the only way in today's age of college football to make sure that you're retaining your roster at the utmost rate is so that they know that there's some familiarity there, that they know that their whole world's not changing, that the voice that they're hearing is one that they've already heard. And ideally, it's a coordinator who's all, I don't know, convinced half your roster to come to your school. Okay, that's what we're going to see Michigan do. We all presume Sharon Moore's going to slide right in. He might not be the best coach available. He might not, right? They didn't, they're not going to open it up to an interview process, or maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they'll end up hiring Sharon Moore, we all believe. And they won't have gotten the quote-unquote best available but it might be the best available for continuity in their program. And right now, boys, that's exactly what you need. That's the first and foremost thing that I learned about this. The other thing that I learned from this is that Georgia boosters better start saving some money. 
Y'all better start putting away some daggum rainy day funds for when the Kirby discount no longer exists because we talked about Nick Saban getting a discount for his player acquisitions. People want to go play for Nick Saban because Nick Saban is Nick Saban. Kirby Smart's got that going right now. People want to play for Georgia at a lower rate and a lower price. Okay, that is fact. They are not spending it like the rest of these programs. That will no longer happen when Kirby Smart leaves. If you want to maintain, and if you want to maintain, it's going to cost more. You better start saving up some money. Plus, for Kirby, he didn't have he didn't come into his career having to play this NIL game. Now I know that mm. it wasn't that nobody was getting paid when Kirby Smart came in at 2016, but when NIL officially became legal. Kirby Smart was six seasons into this. He had already proven what he could do as a head coach. People knew who he was, and people could put good faith in going to him and being developed and whatnot. That's not going to be the case for this next head coach. It's going to be, it exists now, and not only that, but now you no longer get this discount. We're going to have to start spending some more money. I would say, too, though, for this next hire, even if you don't get this in-house guy, even if it isn't anybody on staff, I think Georgia arguably has one of the biggest advantages. Maybe not, you may not even classify it as advantage, but I think it is of like having Josh Brooks as your mm. athletic director, arguably one of the best, or not even one of the best, one of the top two maybe ads in all of colleges right now. That happened quick, huh? I mean, he's nailed some hires lately. Is that is that because McGarity was so bad? Is that the way you is that why you feel that way? Hmm. Because I, I feel like, and this is just an outside observer, right? Someone who covers this program. Georgia fans constantly complained about McGarity. Yeah. Constantly. Not spending enough money, not doing enough elsewhere, not doing this, not doing that. Um, boy, Josh Brooks, Josh Brooks gets that thing done. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. And so I, I think that's part of the reason why you feel that way. But I'm, I'm, I'm in slight agreement with you. It's hard not to argue for him to be a top five AD right now with the, the things that he's been doing outside of the football world. Yeah. Mike White hired is, is looking like a, a hit. home run. Gonna not see even what a hit. That's a home run, dude. Absolutely. Y'all are, <laughs> y'all are 500 right down the SEC. Like mm-hmm. what? Competing good with programs. top 10 basketball programs. And then especially and now if this West Johnson hire for baseball, if that works out too, I mean, mm. my gosh, you want to talk about elevating all of your programs. Yeah. He would have done that. I mean, I was just saying, I think I learned about this too is that, and it, we kind of knew this, but it was more confirmed than ever. Players commit to coaches and staffs, not your mm. team. Like you're seeing the, the mass sexist that you're seeing and everyone's like freaking out about. That's because all the coaches that these players committed to and agreed to play football for are now gone. Mm. So it's not like you have to get over this idea that you're committing to the A or to the G that when that coach leaves, you're probably going to lose a lot of that roster too. So I mean, you have to be ready for that if it does come. Unless, like you said, you hire within. Because I think that's the most important. And that's where Michigan's doing it right right now. Sometimes I wonder... What I'm gonna do, cause I ain't. I'm just kidding. Um, sometimes I wonder what I would have done in college, cause I, you know, you guys know this. I played for five different offensive line coaches, three different offensive coordinators, two different head coaches. Um, it would have been well three if you count the interim. It would have been very, very easy to hit the portal if those were the rules. Um, whether I would have had suitors or not is a different discussion, but I would have had an easy path to go wherever I wanted to. And I wonder sometimes if I would have tapped out. And for me personally, tapping out of the situation that I had would have cost me my wife and children that I know now. Um, so that that's my story. I'm not saying that that's everybody else's. Not a lot of people get married fresh out of college. Um, but I did. And uh, yeah, it's been life-saving for me to not have tapped out of the, the situation that I was in. Um, anything else? Anything else you've learned from this? 
just get ready when it happens because I mean it, it shows how quickly things turn. I mean, I from, think the biggest key is to start saving. Yeah, like that that NIL fund needs to be well, well endorsed and endowed. Rainy day fund. Yeah, it needs to be a, a Kirby retirement fund. I mean, the entire news cycle of college football completely shifted in a matter of twenty four hours. I mean. Every single off se- going into every single offseason for the last 15 years, you knew Alabama was going to be top two national title favorites. Now they're they're nowhere near the, they're nowhere in the top five. You, you know you might get some Jalen Milrow Heisman love or anything like that, but the narrative is no longer Alabama the team to be every single year. Now it's they've completely been stripped of that and they've been bumped down eight spots just because mm-hmm. of a coach. Mm-hmm. All right, let's give them three. Now you guys are going to give them three, and I'm going to give a different three. And here's how this is going to work. You guys are tasked with giving me three reasons that Georgia's going to win the national title. I'm going to give you three reasons they won't. Ooh. Oh, so are you going first? Or are we I will going? go in between you two. Juxtaposition, okay. Right. Or should I go last? Go last. All right, go ahead. Jay will give them three. All right, first one I got, the only team that has stood in their <laughs> way is no longer standing. Ooh. Alabama is no longer with Nick Saban. They've been the only team to beat that. He was the only existing head coach in 2018 to defeat them. Alabama has been the only team that has kind of hindered Georgia of getting to a national title since 2020. Solid take. No longer there. Second one, they will have the better quarterback in every single game they play in this season. Regular season. Regular season. And maybe overall. Maybe overall. He might be the best quarterback in college. But they're football. going to have the quarterback advantage pretty yeah. much every single weekend until, you know, maybe another name comes up or whatever. You know how college football season goes. But Carson Beck, massive advantage mm. for Georgia coming back for a second year. And my final one, this might be the most playoff-ready team once the postseason arrives. I mean, these guys are going to be tested all across the board, across multiple conferences. You start out with Clemson. You work your way down to Alabama on the road, Texas on the road, Ole Miss on the road. You're going to play Tennessee with a young quarterback with Kentucky Nico. on the road. Kentucky on the road. This team is going to be postseason ready when the post, before the postseason even arrives. So I think this team is going to be possibly more prepared than anybody else to make a push for the college football playoff hey jay will give him three i was what waiting for me i was baby? waiting for it. i know i'm a little rusty so the first one i have is and jay will kind of touch on this they arguably have the best returning quarterback in college football i like, think quinn yours is, is is a good little debate there we had this the other night yeah. i had a whole list of ones versus a whole list of question marks uh ewers dylan gabriel jackson dark karsten beck i know all of those as known commodities mm-hmm. i know exactly what they're going to produce and i mean Carson Beck's the most experienced. He's going into his fifth year of school. He's fifth year of being on the team. He's gotten a lot of starts. He's, I mean, he was could have been a Heisman finalist last year if you don't lose to Bama. So that's one of my reasons. And then you know, you know for a fact this is going to be a top ten defense next year. It's a Kirby mm. Smart defense. Like it's almost a given at this point. Hasn't been outside of the top ten since two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, Isn't that nuts. That is nuts. Wild. That's wild. So, I mean, you're going to have an elite defense, and we've seen the last few seasons that that's kind of a requirement in this day of college football, that you have to have a suffocating defense on top of the fact that they're going to have probably one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And then the third one I have is you're for the first time in almost a 1,000 days getting a pissed-off Georgia team. Mm. Like, they're coming into the season. They're not the national champions. They're not the media darling. People aren't talking about them like that. They're mad. You saw a bunch of players talk about how, you know, I forgot how much it hurt to lose. Like there's this team is going to come in and try to light the world on fire next year. Man, man's buying into the revenge. Good revenge chip on tour. the shoulder. Yeah, chip on the shoulder. I like it. Little edge to the team. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple team meetings this summer. Ooh, Ooh. accountability meetings. <laughs> Offensive linemen telling them that they're going to road grade some folks. Hey, hey, we're we're on the Bama path right there. Um, <laughs> hey, Christian Kirby, give him three. 
All right, I got three why they won't win, all right? And number one plays into both of you guys. Your quarterback gets hurt this year. You are in trouble, mm-hmm. all right? And not because I think Gunnar Stockton is bad, but Gunnar Stockton first year starting. I promise you, I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. It's not going to be 72% completion percentage, all right? It's not going to be walk in, this guy's got it all figured out like it felt like at times last year with Carson Beck. You're back into these – Ooh, what's about to happen with the quarterback, all right? With a first-year starter, essentially, if Carson gets hurt. Second thing on this list is the weaponry. What happens if the weaponry doesn't develop for another year, right? We've been talking for years now about, ooh, they got all this talent at the wide receiver position. Ooh, look, look here, look here, look here. It never really amounts to anything other than team efforts, right? Team efforts, team efforts. Everybody eats, everybody eats. Ooh, we're tight end heavy this year, right? What if the tight ends don't bounce back like they're supposed to? Right? What if Oscar Delp is like 60% of Brock Bowers instead of the 90% or the 85% that he might need to be to maintain? Right? What happens, I already talked about it, but what happens if Rara Thomas and Dominic Lovett kind of just do the same thing that they did this year? What if the weaponry doesn't take that next step? That's my, my second thing that might cause some hindrance into guaranteeing Georgia to win a national title. And my third one, and this is obvious every single year, you have a bad day, you're done. Mm-hmm. You are done. Okay. So you can't have bad days. And this was why I got on to you guys and the Georgia fan base for doing the, oh, well, well, I think we were one of the best four teams. You weren't on December 2nd, all right? And that's all it takes now. It takes one bad day in the college football playoff. After December, you cannot have bad days, all right? You can't have them at all. And any bad luck injury-wise obviously takes you out. So bad luck in general or a bad day is reason number three. Uh, A real sad golf clap, give them three. Yeah, so that's what I got. I, I think for your second point about the talent not developing, I think that is part of the advantage of having a quarterback like Carson Correct. Beck because he can help you kind of – if that were to happen, if in, any position or any player whatsoever, if that were to happen, I think a quarterback like Carson Beck can help you overcome those struggles a little bit. But you de- you definitely have to have somebody. I mean, probably multiple people, Oscar Delp or some, one of the wide receivers. You have to have one of those guys or one of these transfer guys come in. You have to have one of those guys step up and, and just be that guy. All right, so to close tonight's show – I think my lab's on – to close tonight's show, I want to talk about my board up here. Um, I, I believe in self-talk. I believe in uh, critically thinking. I believe in working on yourself. I believe in all of these things. So I write them down on my board here. Um, and a lot of them mean a lot of good things to me, like this too shall pass, right? It's right here on the board for a reason. Uh, whether you're feeling great in your life, whether everything's working for you, whether everything's bad, whatever's going on right now, trust me, it'll pass. You, you'll get through it, whether it's good or bad. Um, I have a, a, a lyric from Eric Church here. I have a uh, great job, do better. All right. I think this, this is a real one that I feed you guys all the time. Trying to encourage you, telling you, hey, you're doing a great job, but you can definitely do better. In every aspect of your life, you can always improve. That's here on the board. I have 1,471 written right here on the board. That is the exact number of days since the first podcast I ever produced until I quit my day job. 1,471, that's how long it took before this dream was actually a reality in terms of a career. So that's written on the board. Um, The Good I'll Do is another uh, lyric that's, it's important to me. We listen to it all the time here in the network or here on the show before the show um, because it's an interpretation of a song to me basically saying, hey, if the Lord were to provide me with the platform that I'm seeking, I promise you I will do good with it. The good that I'll do with the platform that you give me. Today, we added another lesson onto the board. We added another saying onto the board. 
And this one came from a discussion that I had today with someone that I love that's in my family um, that is in, in near and dear to my life that is struggling with some mental health issues right now. They're really having a hard time smiling. They're really having a hard time finding happiness in life. Um, and they're really having a hard time just to go at it. And life is really, really kicking them right now. And they're having a hard time smiling. They're having a hard time getting up every day and being happy. And what I explained to this person today and what I truly believe is that you have to earn your smile. You have to get up every day and you have to earn a smile. And however you go about doing that and finding purpose in your life, it's very, very important. For me, it's routines. For me, it's working. For me, it's finding purpose in the things that I'm doing every single day. I have to work to earn the smile on my face. I have to work to earn the right to be happy in this life because life is really, really hard. No matter where you are in this world, no matter what you're doing, it's tough. It's going to kick you down and you have to earn your next smile. So tomorrow, get up and earn a smile. I love you. We'll see you tomorrow.